0: Hello there and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship sermon podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz and I'm the youth director here at Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church. This week, Pastor Rod Happel wraps up our Family Matters sermon series with a sermon entitled Stepping into the Gap, Being Committed to the Family of God. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Well, as you know, we've been in this Family Matters series and I hope that you have been bringing your best to your unique family situation because each of us have a family situation and (laughs) Most often, at some level, it is unique. I hope that you've been encouraged as we've been going through this sermon series. Um, I hope you were encouraged by the word that Pastor Tim brought to us last week on singles in the church family, uh, which was really good. And if you missed it, you can always catch it. um, A week later, it's on the video online, but you can catch it almost immediately after the service on our podcast. And so that's what I did last week because my wife and I were in Saskatchewan. Uh, We were there visiting our Saskatchewan family. Um, A couple of our kids live there, a couple of them live here. And so we were out there visiting our son and his uh, wife and our granddaughter who turned one last weekend, so we celebrated her first birthday. And it was a lot of fun. But the message that Tim preached is so good that even if you did miss it, go listen to it because the church needs to hear that message. And his message sets up my message really well because he talked about the importance of the church family, especially for those who are single. And for those who need a church family, right? We all need the church family. But there's people that we don't often think of what life looks like for them. For some people, it's they've moved to Canada or they've moved to this part of the country. They don't have other family and how important the church family is for them. Or you might be a believer in Jesus Christ, but you're the only one in your family who follows Christ. And so you come out here and you know how important it is to be built up and encouraged by your church family. So there's lots of different situations that we realize the church family is important. And as I said, it's important for each and every one of us. So today is the final message in our Family Matters series, and what I want to do is talk about the family of God. So the family of God matters. That's what I'm titling this sermon today. And... Uh, we're closing off our sermon series because we'll be heading into the summer and we'll be looking at a few other things this summer. So the family of God matters and I love the family of God, mostly. Um, that was a joke, okay? Okay. But let's face it, at times it can be tough. But I really honestly love the way in which the Holy Spirit works in our lives, builds us up, pulls us together. He brings in the variety of our backgrounds and our interests and our giftings, and he pulls it all together because God, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has plans and purposes for the church, and the Holy Spirit is working is moving amongst us. He is doing things by way of putting us together so that we accomplish things that we can't do on our own. And I think that that is one of the absolute beauties of understanding the family of God is that no one person can do what Christ is doing collectively in us and through us. I love teams. I, I, I love to serve on teams. I love being a part of a short-term missions trip team because you see the diversity of the group coming together and people doing different things. Um, maybe it's a regular team of serving here at Sardis Fellowship, you know, something to do with making the coffee or down in Sardis Kids or Wednesday night youth or working in the media center at the back. Um, If you've been a part of a team, you know the importance of the diversity of that team. Or maybe it's a one-off opportunity like this week in VBS Soccer Camp because we have over 120 volunteers that are coming together to work in all sorts of different ways to accomplish this whole thing that we entrust to God to work out his good plans and purposes. And so come and be a part of that. Be a part of team. And if you've ever witnessed it, you've experienced firsthand the brilliance of God's plan for what we call the family of God or the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is our head and he has plans and purposes for us collectively to do. And when it happens, we recognize the presence of God by the Holy Spirit and his power to carry it out. Here's a, a line that I learned and I want to pass it on to you. And it goes like this, for whenever we use our gifts to serve God, we glorify him, and the body of Christ is built up, it's edified, it's encouraged. I'll say it again, when we use our gifts for God's glory in serving, God is glorified, the body of Christ is built up, edified. But what does this mean to be a part of the body of Christ? Because we don't necessarily use that language um, all the time. When I was a kid growing up, uh, I was in a little Baptist church out in Cloverdale, and Sunday evening services, you younger kids know nothing about this, but we used to have Sunday evening church service, which when I was younger, I just slept underneath the pews. Uh, but one of the cool things we would do is about once a month, we would go downstairs to the fellowship hall, there'd be food set out in the middle. And we would sit around in big circles, and we would sing these songs. And they weren't the hymns that we normally sang in church. They were choruses, and so they're a little more, for a younger kid, lively and fun. And and we would sing these songs, but it was torture. I mean, the food's sitting right in the middle, and you knew you couldn't eat until you sang, right? But one of the songs you always sang was, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, which I know a lot of our older people here will know that song, right? Uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither. And, And as I reflected on the words of the song, Uh, You know, there's some cheesiness to the lyrics for sure, but the sentiment is so great, you know. he references the fact you may notice that we say brother and sister around here. Um, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And and the theology is solid. It's theologically correct about how we are linked together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are the family of God. Um, Of course, I wondered as a kid what it meant to travel this sod, but that's okay. Eventually, I figured it out. Last week, when Pastor Tim was speaking, he referenced this passage that I want to read for us in Mark 3. And there was a crowd that was sitting around Jesus, and they said, hey, your mother and brothers are here. And then Jesus says in verse 33, who are my mother and brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus elevates the family of God To indicate our connectedness to God and one another. That goes even beyond our biological families. Peppered throughout the New Testament is this language of brother and sister and family. And I just want to highlight a few of these. Um, In Romans 8.28 it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Which is who? That's us. Hebrews 2.11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. That's us. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Now, also, what we need to understand is that we are also, by nature of that connection, brothers and sisters of each other, because we're connected to Christ. Christ. You know, we don't use brother and sister language a lot. It might be completely foreign to you. Maybe you've never said to someone, hey, brother Eugene and sister Carol. You might not use that. But it used to be quite common uh, years ago in the church, and people would use this a lot. I'm not trying to restart that, by the way. If you want to, go ahead. That's fine. Um, I'm just trying to point out a reality. We are brothers and sisters by nature of our relationship to Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ. Now, I have a brother, Clint, I have a brother, Wes. I don't refer to them as brother Clint and brother Wes. We just know we're brothers, right? Um, Again, if that's your thing, that's fine. Uh, But it is a little bit uncommon, right? A few years ago, we were in Palm Springs with our family on one of those spring break vacation times. And I always love going to a new church. I like to see how people do it in different places. And that's, you know, southern states, down in California. So checking out this church, it was a little bit random. We didn't know much about it. And you come in and you sit down. And I know what it's like to walk into a church. And if you're new here, thank you for walking into our church today. We get it, that it takes some courage and boldness to come into a place you've never been before. So there we were with our kids, seated, and they're going through all their stuff like we do, and the one guy gets up there to share some prayer requests, and he starts talking about Sister Esther Fester, to which our kids got the giggles. Now, it was probably more the Esther Fester than it was the sister, but it all went together. Sister Esther Fester. We still talk about Sister Esther Fester. But like I said, I'm not trying to get that started. Those who have received Jesus Christ are placed into God's family. We are the called out ones who are the church. I want to make this point. The church is not a building, it's the people. I know we know this, but I want to remind us of this. The Bible always talks about the church as the people of God. Um, I don't want to make too much of this. Um, but it is good for us to remember that we are talking about the body of Christ when we're talking about the church. We refer to the building all the time. Oh, I'm going to go to the church. Well, we mean church facility. The the church are the people, and, and the place is the house that houses the people of God. There's another point that I think needs to be reviewed, and that's that there's two ways in which the New Testament uses the word church. There's a universal understanding, and there's a local gathering type idea. So on the universal church type idea is this, that every person around the world who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we had a demonstration by Valon here today of that, you are placed into the body of Christ. You are brothers and sisters in Christ with people all around the world. So if a person in Japan today has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you in Chilliwack have put your faith in Christ, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't have to be in the same church family. So the universal church of Christ, or sometimes referred to as Catholic because that's what it means, Um, every person, past or present by the way, who's put their faith in Christ are part of that. That's who the church of God is. But then there's the second way, the local church, and that would be a gathering of people like this. Now there's multiple gatherings around our own city, right? People who connect into a local assembly. In fact, the original word that was used in Greek for the church, um, most commonly, because there was more than one, but most commonly had this idea of the called out ones. To be called out. And they called out and gathered, assembled. And so the called out people of God, gathered together to worship God, to encourage one another in faith, and then to go out into their communities and to live it out. Live it in your family. Live it in your workplace. Live it where you go to school. Live out your faith and share the gospel. And so that was the whole idea that the early church had. Paul uses a terminology to help us understand Pardon me, Paul uses an analogy to help us understand this spiritual connectedness, and he calls it the human body. So he refers to the human body to help us understand the spiritual body. And this is a very famous um, kind of language that Paul uses through lots of his writings. I'm just going to highlight the orange words so that you can see here how often in his writings he refers to his body, which would be, uh, you know, Jesus' body, which is... the church. So we, the church, belong to Christ. We are his body. He, Christ, is the head of the body, the church. Um, Him, Jesus, is head over all things to the church. So Christ is our head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. So you get this understanding pretty clearly from Paul's writings. Um, Him, Jesus, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us. Uh, Ephesians 5.29, we are members of his body. And you were called to one body. And so you get this idea of the body of Christ. You get this imagery of we got a head and you got the rest, right? Somewhere you are one of the pieces of the body. You could be the ear. You could be the nose. You could be the eyes. You could be the hands. You could be the feet. Or Paul even goes into his analogy. He gets really creative and he starts talking about various organs. Some that are hidden and some that are private and some that need special attention. And so he takes this analogy of the human body and says, listen. If you can understand how the human body works, that I do not take one step that way unless my head says, take a step. If the head says, take a step, the rest follows. I don't know why my hands are doing this. The hands, they're independent. They do what they want. (laughs) But the whole idea is, Paul says, that's how it works in our human body. Understand that Christ is the head, and we make up his spiritual body. And he's placed us together to accomplish things that he wants to do in and through the life of a local church. One body, the body of Christ, the family of God, the church. We are the body of Christ. He is our head. I want us to have that very clear. Now, it has some implications because if we're a part of the body of Christ, there's something that you're receiving and there's something that you're giving. By nature of the fact that you've been placed together, we are together. So we've received something. What is it that we've received? We've received a belonging. You are in. You're not in in any other way than any other person. There's not two ways to get in. There's one way to get in. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are part of his body. And I think this is important because sometimes I think that we think it's true of someone else, but it's not true of me. But it is. Every person. There's one door. You enter through faith in Jesus Christ. Every person is one around his table too. There's not two tables. There's not two tiers or two classes. There's one. We all get in the exact same way by faith in Jesus Christ. You receive that. But then, by nature of being together, there's a giving. There's something that you have to give to others. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit. Um, A very famous passage on this whole analogy of the body of Christ is 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to preach it today. I'm going to allude to it. But I am going to try to give you just a few of the things that Paul says uh, about this idea, this analogy of the human body. He says there's different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God who is at work. So it's God. God has placed us here. God is the one who works in and through us. He goes on to say, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all the many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of many parts, of one part, but of many. So, many parts, but one body. Okay, this is Paul's illustration. God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to do. I can't argue in what God gives us these gifts. And we're to use them to glorify him and to build up his body. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. We care for each other. These are all aspects of what Paul's trying to say. If you can understand how the human body works over here, you'll understand what God expects from us in the family of God, in the spiritual body of Christ. The verse I want to highlight and focus on, I I want you to walk out with this one in your heart today. Is 1 Corinthians 12, 27 it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You know, when that verse, I read it, all those other ones are important because it's telling you all the pieces and everything, but this one is almost like right in your face. Are you hearing it for yourself? You are the body of Christ, each one of you is a part of it. it, it it's this understanding that I belong, I have a home. I am a part of the universal universal church of God. But at the moment that I come in and I identify with a local fellowship like this, I am also connected into a local gathering of believers. I belong. You are a part of it. But by nature of the fact that you are a part of it, it means you also have a role to play. You're not just on the receiving end. You're also on the giving end. And this next verse I want to give to you kind of highlights that part. It's also Paul, Romans 12. So in Christ, notice that in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Oh, (laughs) to what degree do I belong to you and you belong to me? Well, that can be discussed, but understand something, that you're not just a part of the body of Christ for something you receive. You are part of the body of Christ because you're also to give. You're there for others. God, so often we talk about, well, I don't need the church. I don't need to go. I don't need to be a part of that. I'm just fine. Well, Okay, that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is, have you ever thought about the fact someone else might need you? God has placed each one of us in the body of Christ, not just to receive, but also to give. We are here for one another. The family of God. It matters. Why has Jesus put us together into this body? He desires to shape us. He wants to conform our hearts and our lives to his will and his way, and he uses one another in the body of Christ to help us do that. He does this through the relationships that we have with other followers in Christ. In relationship. Being in community. When we're in community, we are kind of continually being shaped and reshaped. I think we heard a testimony of Devin uh, a couple weeks ago talking about, it was at the um, congregational meeting, he was talking about how a life group works in his own personal life. And he was talking about like, as iron sharpens iron, it's a a verse that talks about how two pieces of metal come together and if hit on the right angle, they actually sharpen each other. And and life groups and small groups and accountability groups and mentor groups and coffee groups and one-on-one groups, all of those kinds of more deeper relational type groups are meant to disciple us, are meant to take off our misunderstandings and guide us closer to the truth of God. And one of the things that happens when that's not in our life is that we're not actually being shaped into the image of God as he wants us to be. I'm not saying it can't happen through other means, but God has intended that we gather and then we gather in smaller groups so we go deeper so that the body of Christ can be there to sharpen each other in our faith. So life groups are important. I want to give a plug for that. I also want to say they're exceedingly difficult to find people who are willing to either lead or host. And so we need that come September when we want to reignite our groups. If you're someone who says, okay, I will lead, um, please speak to Pastor Tim as he starts to make a plan for the fall for all of our life groups. I'm going to end this message by saying I believe in the body of Christ. I believe it is a tool that God wants to use to mature us in Christ It's a place where we can know and be known. It's a place where we come and gather and worship him. It's a place where we can be encouraged in our faith. It's a place to remember the essence of what our faith is. It's a place where we gather and go, that we might be a witness to all people. It's a place where we serve one another. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, said to his disciples, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. At the core of understanding what the family of God is all about is love. And the thing that unites us and the thing that draws us close to one another is this very representation here, the Lord's Supper. Communion, we call it. Because we're reminded what Christ died for. He died that we might be one. He died that we might be one body. Five years ago, I was on a sabbatical, and the leadership team had asked me to consider being the next lead pastor here. And um, I'll be honest, I, I love the second chair role. I, I wasn't sure I ever wanted to be a lead pastor. And so it was a struggle. And on my time away, I was praying. I was thinking, and God gave me a verse. And it was this verse right here, First Peter 4.8. And he gave it to me. I, I was reading, and it, it came out in different places. You know how that works? I, I read it in my Bible, but then I also read it hanging on the wall. You know, one of those nicely done things. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers over a multitude of sins. And I was thinking about the word deeply. Love one another deeply. This table is to remind us that it costs Christ his very life. He wants us to love one another deeply. He doesn't want us to love each other superficially. This is a hard thing to do. But it's what would be my heart's desire that the culture and the life of Sardis Fellowship is reflected by a verse like that and there's other ones as well. I'll end with some practical implications of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. It means that I'll make every effort to gather for worship when I can. It means I'll seek to use the gifts that God has given me to serve Him and to build up the body of Christ. It means I will seek to be in a place where I can know others more deeply and they can know me. A place like a life group or a prayer group or a Bible study group, mentoring groups, youth group, young adults group. I will, it means that I will support the work of the Lord with my finances. It means I will pray for our church family and the family of God around the world And I will support it with my words of love and encouragement. And if we carry that out, we will be a witness to a watching world. The family of God matters. And you are a part of it. Each of you is a part of it. And we belong to each other. Let's pray. Father, as we gather around this table today, remembering the life of Jesus Christ that was given on our behalf, on a personal level, We express a deep sense of gratitude that you gave your life, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might be made right with you. But it doesn't end there. This table reminds us of the fact that we break one loaf of bread, we drink from one cup, we are united together because we share in Christ together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I don't know what your message is for each and every one of us here today, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, softening us where it needs to be softened, Raising our level of commitment where we need to be more committed. And Lord, that we would fulfill the use of the gifts that you've given us. That we might serve one another, glorifying you and building up the body of Christ. And so as we gather around this table, we're reminded of all of this. Because of our Lord and Savior Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17. Is not the cup of blessing with which... Uh, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Jesus Christ is the one bread that we all partake of. And we do that together. I'm going to invite the ushers to come down. And if you did not receive one of your little communion packets, now's your opportunity just to raise your hand and they will pass out one of these. Um, We're made aware of the fact that some people might have missed getting this this morning. Uh, If you're new to Sardis Fellowship, uh, since COVID, we started using this little system um, has its upside and downside, but uh, you peel off the little top plastic to get the wafer, and then you peel off the tinfoil to get the juice. And we're going to participate together as soon as I see that everyone has one. There's a couple up front on this side. I don't want to start until everyone has one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to participate in this. Um, part of the Universal Church of God, even if this isn't your local assembly that you participate with every week. You're welcome here. Um, if you haven't come to a place of trusting in Christ yet, there's no shame in just letting... Uh, This moment pass. It's for those who have trusted in Christ. And if this morning you're hearing this message and you say to yourself, but I do believe, then trust in Christ in your heart and participate with us. Some people have committed their life to Christ during a communion service. I invite you to. I think we all have this now. I'll read for you the words of the Apostle Paul out of uh, 1 Corinthians 11. And he's passing it on to the church in Corinthians. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that. Paul goes on to say in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this is the cup this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's participate together. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up at this time. While they're doing that, I want to give thanks to the Lord. Father, the bread and the cup, they're such simple elements that remind us, not just today, but each and every day, remind us of what this message is all about, what the hope in this life and the life for eternity is all about, and it's in Jesus. Help us to love each other deeply. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship sermon podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out SardisFellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.